And then I look, and he's there with George Clooney and two or three other guys and Bruce Willis. And Bruce Willis is the guy that wants wants to hit it. The Fred Minnick Show is brought to you by 291 Colorado Whiskey, by Michter's American Whiskeys, and by Heaven Hill Brands. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Fred Minnick Show. Fred here. I've got a great guest this week, Be Real from Cypress Hill. I'm a longtime fan of Cypress Hill. I think most kids who grew up in the 90s and loved hip-hop love them some Cypress Hill. And we did something I've never done on this show. We paired weed with whiskey. So I sent him five products, five really stellar products, one of which is a vintage Beam, Jim Beam. And uh, he called out uh, uh, cannabis that he would pair with each one. It was really, really cool. But I understand not everybody partakes. I think even if you don't partake in, um, in a little cannabis from time to time, I think you still appreciate the interview because... We talk about a lot of a uh, lot of important things, and uh, and of course, I get all geeky when it comes to the whiskeys. But enjoy this week's episode, and if you haven't already, hit me up on fredminnick.com. That's fredminnick.com. Hit the contact button to get your free sticker, the Fred Minnick Show sticker, where you can put it anywhere you want. But enjoy this week's episode, folks. But first, a word from our sponsors. People want a great whiskey that isn't like every other whiskey. So nestled in the shadow of Pikes Peak, 291 Colorado whiskey is distilled from grain to barrel to bottle. Exceptional Western whiskey, unlike any other. Passion permeates every sip. Utilizing grains from the Colorado Plains, water collected from Pikes Peak Reservoirs, and finished with Aspen Staves, 291 Colorado Whiskey is an award-winning single barrel and small batch whiskey. Hard made the Colorado way. Our recipe, our stills, independent and always rugged, refined, and rebellious. 291 Colorado Whiskey is proud of its humble roots and excited as we expand to new frontiers. Get your taste of Colorado at 291coloradowhiskey.com. Online orders available or find a bottle near you. Ride it like you stole it. Drink it like you own it. Live fast. Drink responsibly. Hey guys, Jay Cutler. Started a new podcast called Uncut with Jay Cutler. Most of you know me from the NFL. Some of you have seen me on Instagram. And some of you know me from the reality TV world. Each week I'm taking you along with me as we discuss football, turning topics, and whatever's going on in my life each week. I'm bringing along people that are special in my life. Former teammates, friends, and some new people that I like and respect. That's what you're supposed to do, right? Podcasting? I think I'm doing this right. Can't wait to get started with you. Go subscribe now. Uncut with Jay Cutler. Apple Podcasts, Podcast One, and Spotify. Or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, my name is Dr. Green Thumb, a.k.a. Be Real. We invite you to come check out the illest, highest, most craziest podcast in the world, the Dr. Green Thumb Podcast. Come check out our random-ass conversations along with our crazy challenges. We got some of the dopest, iconic, and legendary guests in the world. We invite you to come catch a set, the Dr. Green Thumb Podcast. Listen and subscribe to us at Podcast One, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Come check out the Dr. Green Thumb Show. Doctor's orders, baby. At Michter's Distillery, our passion is making the finest bourbon, rye, and American whiskey possible. When you only produce very small batch and single barrel whiskey as we do, each and every barrel has to be perfect. No detail is too small for our production team. 
from careful attention to the 18-month or more air-dried wood used in the construction of our barrels, to entering our distillate into the barrel at the costlier or lower barrel entry proof of 103 so that it's smoother, to heat cycling our barrel houses, to our signature filtration protocol, we spare no expense in pursuing our goal of making the greatest American whiskey. And no Michter's gets bottled until our master distiller, Dan McKee, and our master of maturation, Andrea Wilson, say it's just right. Michter's Fort Nelson Distillery in downtown Louisville, Kentucky, is open for tours and tastings. Book your visit on our website and stop by the bar at Fort Nelson for a world-class cocktail. For more information, follow us on social media at Michter's Whiskey, go to michters.com, or visit your favorite bartender. Michter's Distillery. It's all about the whiskey. Heaven Hill Distillery has been lifting America's spirit since 1935. They celebrate American whiskey's rich traditions, guide its evolution, and champion its exciting future. For Heaven Hill, whiskey is more than a profession. It's a personal passion that is poured into every bottle shared with newcomers and aficionados alike. So whether you enjoy the simple pleasure of Evan Williams' Bottled and Bond or savor the uniquely satisfying experience of a rare single-barrel bourbon like Elijah Craig, 18-year-old, you'll find a home at Heaven Hill. If you want to learn more about the craft and techniques of making quality American whiskey, check out educational resources and sign up for their newsletter at heavenhilldistillery.com. Heaven Hill reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Cheers. And joining the Fred Minnick Show, Be Real, what's up, man? How you doing? I'm great, man. Thanks for having me. Hell yeah, man. I've been I've been a fan, you know, since I was uh, since I was a kid, getting in trouble for listening to your music. And uh, I so I had this I had this principle, uh, your music and NWA Easy E's music was banned in my school, and this principal would find our find our cassette tapes and smash them oh, with, with his paddle. So that's cold blooded, man. You know this was this was early '90s, man. There was no love for for hip hop and 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 hard rap and in Oklahoma. <laughs> You know, that's crazy because, I mean, you know, you spend your money on that and the principal is not your parent and they're smashing something you paid for. Yeah. Well, the parents usually told them to do it, too. So, oh, well, that, yeah. too. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. We, did, we didn't have much support, uh, you know, in, in my I time. Get it. I totally get it. <laughs> so you just you just you all just played Welcome to Rockville. How did that go? What was that it was like? awesome. It was awesome, you know. For me, um, with doing the 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 rock and metal 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 festivals and all that stuff, it, it's kind of surreal to me because I mean, you know, we're we're a hip hop group, but mm-hmm. you know, growing up, Mugs and myself and Send Dog and and even Eric Bobo, um, we would listen to to heavy metal and rock and stuff like that. So we feel, you know, we feel natural in that setting. It, but it always it always like still surprises me when you know we get these offers to go do these metal fests because you know we are a hip-hop band but uh when we get there all the nervousness and, and anxiety goes away and you know we click into head chop mode and uh we hit the stage with with a hundred percent 
momentum and, and uh, energy and, and uh, attack it like it's any other show. Yeah. And it, it ends up working out for us, but it, it's fun, man, because I mean, you know, um, the hip hop crowds and, and the metal and punk rock crowds are two different um, beasts, you know, and uh, to, to see them uh, going crazy is, is uh, it's an amazing thing. Well, and, you know, that festival, of course, uh, made a lot of uh, national headlines oh, with uh, yes. Brass Against, the uh, lead singer, pulling oh, her pants yes. down and peeing on a, in a guy's mouth. Have you seen anything crazier than that at oh, a festival? Um, well, look, that was pretty crazy, especially, especially I'm a fan of Brass Against. And, you know, um, this was, uh, I think, our first time playing with them. Um, um, on a on a festival and then to see that we were on the opposite stage so we didn't get a chance to see that direct we only seen it like hours after it happened um <laughs> i never quite <laughs> something like that before i mean the the closest thing i've seen to that you know we play a number of festivals one of them was uh rocking ring in um germany mm -hmm. uh rock am ring and uh this 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 night, um, Romstein was uh, headlining, and we were we were under them. We were co-headlining or support for Romstein at Rock and Ring in Germany, and this is their backyard. This is their home court. This right. is there. So you know we're playing our set, and normally in Germany, you know Cyprus, we're a big we're a big goddamn deal out there, you know, and people go crazy for us. But on this night, they were kind of like, all right, Cyprus, cool. We're waiting for Romstein, right? <laughs> and, you know, we're like, we got off stage and we're like, man, that, that was, that was interesting, you know, cause usually we get people the fuck up. And, uh, this, this night, they, it seemed like they were reserving their energy. Right. So we, yeah. we stood back and, and cause we normally, um, sometimes we just sort of leave after we're done. We smashed the set and we leave. But this time, you know, Romstein was playing again. This is their backyard. And we hadn't seen them play in a while. And they're always pretty goddamn interesting and entertaining. And on this night, they had um, what looked to be gold statues on the end of uh, their stage. Mm -hmm. And they had this big um, cannon that was shaped like a penis that they would shoot white shit out of uh during the course of the songs and stuff like that it was it was a crazy visual um a lot of sexual uh tones in in that particular set and you know we we were just paying attention to everything they were blowing blowing flames you know with flamethrower masks um that they were wearing but that wasn't the crazy thing the crazy thing was um when the statues started to move and have sex on <laughs> on the stage. We're like, oh shit, those aren't statues; those are people, and they're fucking. And it, that was that was pretty fucking wild. Wow, wow. I mean, I hey, it's a long story, but yeah, Germany, <laughs> that, man, anything goes there, right? Almost anything. Well, yeah, I guess anything. Fuck, they. I mean, they were actually. I've never seen that before. I mean, but those guys are are. Uh, they're artists, right? They're, yeah. they're art students, and you know they go for something totally different in in their show, and and uh, people were loving it, man. I mean, fucking the the the, the craziness that was happening in the crowd. I, I understood that they were reserving their energy. It wasn't that they didn't like us; they were reserving everything 
for what was coming next because we didn't know. Yeah, and, and you know, a bunch of a bunch of sex on stage and Romstein, you know, what can go wrong? I mean, that's the you know, they're <laughs> or what can't be right. <laughs> what can't be right? I love it. So I sent you some really great whiskey, and a, a lot of it has to do with. I feel like a little bit of your story. I've got some got some things that kind of play. Uh, I think to your history a little bit. Uh, I've got uh, I got uh, Bardstown uh, Fusion series. Uh, I sent you that. I sent you oh. uh, Barrel uh, Seagrass, one of the best whiskeys of the year right now. And I sent you a a vintage bottle of uh, Jim Beam. So this would be from the nineteen seventies. Yep. I see that. Um, I sent you some Colorado uh, whiskey. It's got yep. some Ash, Aspen finish. And then uh, I sent you a Michter's ten year old. And that is where we will start our tasting. So we'll Sounds start good. with uh, a Michter's ten-year-old. All right. Now, do you drink? Do you drink a lot of whiskey? I've been known to drink some whiskey. Um, yeah. Do you do you uh, do you find it pairs pretty good with weed? <laughs> you know what I find is when I drink whiskey, I better have a whole lot of weed that day because it makes me smoke more. <laughs> I'll go through all my weed that day with some whiskey. All right. Well, just you know, then I, I hope you're prepared today because we got we got five uh, five good ones to sip here. Yeah, I'll probably be smoking a lot of weed today. And you know, if you got to light up on while we're here, that's fine too. Okay, uh, that works for me. I, I I don't have anything to join you, but you know, I I respect that. I did. Uh, um, I was I was uh, hanging out with Killer Mike not too long ago, and he was explaining to me the uh, the notes from the weed, and uh, and I paired uh, I paired a whiskey to it, and he was just like, "Holy shit, that's awesome!" So I think there's I think there's some uh, symmetry there with uh, with pairings for sure. I agree. So when I when when uh, you know this is you know much like the creation of cannabis. You know, whiskey is is an art form in a in a glass or a bottle, and it really starts with with the color. When when bourbon goes into the barrel, it's as clear as the water from your tap. So that color is all from the barrel. It's been moving in and out of the wood for you know, in this case, ten years, ten years in Kentucky. So you know, I like to swirl it around, kind of just like push that you know the oxygen in there, and it's pushing the aromas up. And then bring it to your nose. And when you smell, you want to smell with your mouth open, kind of slightly, just like that, and go from side to side. And here I'm smelling a lot of nutmeg, a little bit of banana, yeah. and a whole bunch of caramel. Yeah, it's very sweet. It's got a sweet note to it. And then when, it, when, you, uh, when you taste, you just want to put a little bit on your tongue, kind of feel it, like work around. And, you know, there's a lot of ways to do it. You can kind of push it around your tongue with the Kentucky Chew, which is going like, or you can just, you know, push it on the roof of your palate and move it around. This is Michter's 10-year-old. That is mm. really, that is really feeling good right now. That tastes oh, yeah. good. What kind of what kind of weed would you pair with this? What kind of weed? What something sweet? Okay, something sweet like uh, maybe a, a Basio gelato, something like that, or mm -hmm. maybe um, something from the from uh, the Sherbinsky line. 
well that one of those is i guess he does bacio gelatos but um yeah definitely that would pair good with this yeah and Anything i think sweet like spice like the the spicy flavored weed i mean because there there is a difference just like you said with with um you know how how some of these are um processed you know there are different flavor notes and you know you could totally pair up certain certain flavors of cannabis to certain flavors of of whiskey for, for this i would have something sweet for sure yeah do you do you think like pairing cannabis is a, is a little like pairing uh with food or a cigar in which you you you're taking the 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 strongest base of the two and trying to combine them or is there is there a little different kind of strategy to get that you know perfect pairing yeah, I think I think you're trying to to like get what goes together well. You know what what is the best um um what's the best pair that 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 you know sort of uh, complements each other on your palate. Mm-hmm. You know because when, when you're smoking certain weed, when you intake it and then you blow it out, you taste the flavor of that of that particular strain, mm-hmm. and with certain whiskey it sort of enhances your ability to, to, to take in that flavor. So, um, yeah, I, I think, I think the, the pairings could be very, you know, if done right, uh, it's, it's definitely a pleasant experience for sure. Absolutely. It, and I got to imagine too, like modern cannabis is a lot different than it was like, you know, 30 years ago. And there's a, there's a larger menu to, to choose from for for a pairing yeah. and, and oh, yeah. how, how has how has cannabis changed uh, from a flavor profile in the last 30 years well you know there, there were some um, some flavors that had been around for years and names change on on them you know to, mm-hmm. to rebrand and market and stuff like that and you know so there was a base of uh, flavor profiles out there but when when guys started to get into breeding and crossing some of the flavors and creating different phenomes and stuff like that Mm -hmm. um you started seeing more exotic flavors in the market and uh now there's a boom you know um pretty much most companies are trying to um trying to breed their own genetics right now and create different flavor lines that way we're you know because for a time we were all pretty much um cultivating the same genetics mm-hmm. you know putting different names on them and whatnot and some of us have different cultivation styles different um nutrient regimens and all that stuff different lighting you know th- so it varies um but a, a lot of us had a lot of the same strains. So in this in in this cannabis industry, people want you know options. They like you know different things that you present them. And if they're 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 fire, if they're really good, people gravitate to it. So and and, and they have impact. So you know that that's where everybody's at right now. I think they're trying to create their own flavor profiles by you know doing a lot of breeding and creating their own genetics. Um, uh, exotic style and um, you know sort of trying to ramp up their menu because I mean you know most people had a menu of maybe five or six different strains mm-hmm. uh, now they got 20 25 30 if if they have an in-house um, person actually 
you know, doing the, the breeding and whatnot. So, um, yeah, it's, it's important right now because if you stick with one flavor, man, um, uh, people, people will, will get it if it's that they'll still come for it if it's, if it's fire, but, um, people want options. So, you know, they might come get you now and then, but they want to see a bigger menu. So it's in, in any brand's best interest to invest in, you know, creating different flavor profiles by, you know, up in your genetics game and creating different and exotic flavors. And, uh, pretty much where it's at right now. I, I tell you too, and, uh, one of the things that you know, this is you're no stranger to this conversation, but one of the things that holds, you know, that next step for cannabis is I live in a state in Kentucky that hasn't even legalized medicinal cannabis, mm. you know, let alone recreational, and it's just like, I mean, at what point are we going to see marijuana legalized? I mean, it just feels like this is an antiquated system uh, we're stuck in, and people have have shown that it can be consumed responsibly uh, as it, as alcohol can be, you know? So it's crazy. Absolutely. And what people don't realize um, is that Kentucky has a huge cannabis culture there. I mean, you know, in the state, I remember, um, I can't remember exactly what year it is, but they were known for cultivating the the biggest Mm -hmm. outdoor, um, How can I say? Um, because it's much like up north before it, it became legal here. Is it, you know, people were growing in our forest areas up in, uh, you know, up yeah. in the northern part of California, outdoor style. And so Kentucky had a huge outdoor culture mm-hmm. down there. I, mean, I, I didn't know too much about their their indoor growing culture, but I know that they were, um, in terms of where they are in the United States, they were the biggest um, outdoor cultivators yeah. in that part of the United States and Corn, to see cornbread mafia. <laughs> yeah. And, and see, yeah. And, and to see that it's, it's, it's still behind in terms of legislation and, and where they stand in terms of legalization. When you see models in Colorado in Nevada in California and now in East coast markets, like, you know, Massachusetts and, and things like that. And you see it working. And now you see Florida and New York turning over. I mean, it's just a matter of time where everyone else comes in. When they realize the potential of the capital that it creates, the jobs that it creates, and how it stimulates the economy within that particular state, um, I think they'll come all in. It's just that you still have um, a significant amount of of, of um, religious voters and and conservative voters that you have to convert if Mm -hmm. you will you know and say hey look this is good for our economy this is good for us it's you know the way that um the way that other states have converted into into the cannabis culture i mean they need to follow suit and they will i believe that they will you know it's just there's a lot of old blood still running shit (laughs) yeah. <laughs> you know, what I mean? once that old blood goes and the new blood comes in, they'll realize because they're seeing it everywhere else. They're seeing every state that has cannabis legislation for cannabis, right? Uh, whether it's a recreational market or a medicinal market, the the tax revenue is ridiculous, and every state would want that. I mean, it's it's revenue that you cannot create out of nowhere. 
And, um, yeah. you know, that, they, don't, they don't call it the number one cash crop for nothing. And, of course, alcohol, you know, they're, the reason why we went into the Great Depression is because we had prohibition. You know, the exact, the exact deficit that we had would have been covered by alcohol taxes, you know, that, that were being lost in prohibition. So, yeah. What, what's not talked about here in California is how cannabis had saved California from the fucking debt that it was in, you know, previously to legalization. I mean, it was a humongous um, state deficit. Yeah, yeah. And, they don't talk about how cannabis pulled them out of the gutter and gave them a surplus because now California has a huge surplus and that's because of cannabis. I mean, when you think about it, so many jobs in the entertainment industry had left California. Mm -hmm. So that's money gone. And that's yeah. a lot of money in terms of entertainment industry. Cannabis came and pulled California out of the goddamn gutter. And I would imagine a lot of other states that, that were in desperate need of this revenue that actually legalized or, you know, made medicinal legislation. So um, they don't talk about it much, but cannabis saved many asses out there. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's not something you see the politicians getting on a plank about and talking about. Uh, so now we are going to move to the uh, Bardstown. Fusion right. series. This will be in one of your like the sample bottle size. So it'll be in one of the smaller ones. Uh, this is from a, yeah, it's called Bardstown Bourbon Company. It gotcha. might be labeled as BBC, but this is going to be a, uh, a blend of 12 year old bourbon, three year old bourbon, and two year, 10 month bourbon. So this is, uh, this is a composite. This is a Fusion Series 2. It is a composite of, um, some old and some young. So this would be, uh, I, I don't know. I don't quite know the aging. Is there an aging process with, with some, some finer cannabis? Is there anything like there is with whiskey? Sort of. Um, but usually the way that, that it's done is, is it's, you know, once it, once it comes out the drying room and it's ready for packaging mm -hmm. goes to the shelf. Mm -hmm. um, now, what the consumer does after that, that you know, it, it's it's pretty much on them, right? So, like, I know that if you um, let's just say you had a fresh crop and you you were down to the last day before packaging and stuff, and you got it mm -hmm. all perfectly, you know, your whole system, and you put it into whatever packaging you get, um, that's the way it goes out because it, it's it's you know, it's considered perishable, like there's an expiration date. But right. um, if you're a connoisseur like myself, <laughs> there's there's ways to preserve the herb for about six months to a year. And what people don't realize is that the longer you let it sit, if it's if it's being preserved properly, which is normally in a dark place, normally normally about maybe seventy five degrees or so like and and um you know probably uh, the humidity is subjective but let's just say you had a dark closet that stood at 75 degrees that's the best place to store your weed if you have a lot of it and you want to get the most out of the flavor because i tend to th you know like my 
my theory and and from whatever I've experienced because I get enough weed to hold on to for a while. So um, the longer that I've let it sit, not not a year's time, but let's just say I got the the jar today. If I let the jar sit for about two, three months, when I go back, if I've been um, um, burping the jar, which means opening it for maybe 30, 40 minutes, maybe an hour, and then closing it back up. If I do that, by the time I hit it two, three months later, the flavor is going to be crazy. And it's it's not going to have any harshness. It's it's And the impact is still going to be there. So, But what what happens with cannabis is that people tend to consume it fast. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they don't necessarily hold on to it unless you're buying a lot of it. Some people buy an eighth, that eighth is gone in a day or maybe yeah. two, three days. Um, so it all just depends on, on, so, you know, the level, the level they're on in terms of smoking. I, I wonder like, you know, could you take, could you take some buds and age them in like, um, in, in like a used bourbon barrel, you know, get, get some like interaction with, uh, with, with the oak or anything like that. Is that, has that ever been done? You know, I don't know if anyone's ever tried that, but that would be interesting. I mean, I would definitely, you know, I would try that. Okay. Why not? You I, know, because uh, it's 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 in a barrel. A barrel is very dark. There's no mm-hmm. light hitting uh, any of the cannabis inside of it. And I think if it's airtight, you know, if it's airtight, air sealed, but it's burped like we, we talked about for mm-hmm. about, you know, um, I don't know, six months to a year. I would, yeah, I would, I would like to see how that tastes. Well, I think, I think we just got to, we just established an experiment here for, yeah, got to try uh, that. What to do. So a lot of things get aged in, uh, in bourbon barrels. Tabasco sauce of all things is aged really? in bourbon barrels for three years. Jeez, I didn't, you learn something new every day. So here uh-huh. we go to the, the fusion from Bardstown Bourbon Company. This has got uh, a kind of a bitter nose for me, like a, like bitter, like a bunch of like peanut or pecan, like like yeah. nutshells kind of thing. Yeah. And maybe like a hardware store where by the lumber area. Yeah, it's very yeah, it's very uh, earthy like that. Oh yeah, it's got a little bit of spice to it. That'll do the trick right there. Yeah. Now, what are you? What weed are you pairing with this one? What weed would I? I'd be pairing something spicy with this. Like uh, okay. if I if I could find it, which because it's this particular cannabis is hard to find. But if I had Kush Bubba, which tends to be, it's not necessarily overwhelming overwhelmingly sweet it's more spicy that mm-hmm. would be good with this but you know i would say any cannabis i'm smoking at the point right now is good with <laughs> it <laughs> so you 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 chose a sweet one with uh michter's tin you got a spicy one going with um bardstown bourbon companies and um i gotta tell you like if there was one that had like a like a honey jalapeno kind of flavor, like some kind of like just a touch of sweetness, but not, but not like sugar sweetness, like honey. 
and like jalapeno. I, I, for my palate, I mean, I think you're spot on with the spice, but uh, just a touch of honey for me in this Bardstown one. Yeah, it is a little sweet. It is. It's, it's definitely sweet. You could even smell it um, on the swirl. It, I mean, I, I kind of want to keep sipping on it and just talk, you know. It's, it's, it's still, a fun sipper. Yeah, it is. It, it is good because it, it's also it's spice. It's spicy, but it's smooth. Yeah, yeah. Like it doesn't go down like harsh at all. It's very nice. So in this in this new video game you have, you know, do you could you could there be a new uh, a, a new place where you're doing like whiskey and weed pairings? I'm, I'm going to have to look into that. That's not a bad <laughs> idea. Shit. <laughs> call, call the developers and be like, hey, I got an idea. I mean. Someone uh, gave me an idea. I mean, you just straight tap into the to the whiskey uh, to the whiskey world, you know, which is a good, healthy uh, eight million people on a by second basis. But tell us tell me about like the about the new game that just I think it just got announced like a. Uh, a couple weeks ago, like uh, some 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 new collab you got going. Yeah, it's it's called Be Real's Monster Buds, and uh, it's a game where um, you pretty much are trying to c- cultivate the most monstrous buds <laughs> ever. And uh, you know, obviously, you got to go through certain uh, phases to get the certain nutrients and then the points and and all that stuff to. Uh, create the biggest, best cultivation, growing the monstrous weed and all that stuff. Um, you know, we, I've always like tried to do different things, um, in whether it been music or or cannabis or tech or you know whatever. I, you know, I'm just always trying to do out of the box things for myself. Right. And you know, if you would have asked me thirty years ago, would we? be have would we be involved with doing any sort of gaming it wasn't necessarily on on our radar that wasn't something that was uh that we were looking at because we were so focused on music mm-hmm. you know um so it's 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 a trip to um to to have this game out there and you know people that have played it are are you know they're having fun with it they're you know we haven't gotten any negative feedback all the feedback's been pretty damn good about it and uh you know so i'm looking forward to 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 doing some more you know in in uh this particular arena that's awesome and, and i'm telling you like you throw get them uh get them connected in with the with, with the whiskey crowds for some pairings that could be fun yeah it could be a lot of fun at an extra level so now <laughs> i want to take you I want to take you back to the, you know, to the 1970s where, you know, if we're doing what we're doing right now, we're probably both in jail. Um, And, um, you know, even even whiskey in the 70s, even though we're very far removed from prohibition. I mean, there are still I mean, even now there's a lot of dry counties. But back then, you know, um, you would not have seen anybody, you know, talking about whiskey on national television. Just last week, I was on the Today Show talking about what I do, and so you have like today, like everything's kind of turning a little bit. But when this yeah. bottle right here was made, I mean, there's a good chunk of this country would think that you you're going to be going to hell. So yeah. you know, this was this was distilled in a in a very very different time when when uh, drinking whiskey was bad, smoking weed was bad, but. Um, a lot of things were okay that we don't consider, 
okay anymore. Right. When you were smoking um, weed and doing Jim Beam, it was called the high beam. <laughs> oh. See what I did there? I like it. I like All right. It. So just a little kind of commentary on like how they made whiskey back then. It really would not have been too different than today at Jim Beam. You know, they might have changed some equipment. The recipe would have been the same. The yeast would have been the same. The big difference would be the grains that they were using. Um, you know, today, you know, there's a lot of introduction of genetically modified organism into the into the grains. This would not have been happening in the 1970s. Uh, they'd have been using different wood. Obviously, the water would have been different. But for the most part, the recipe is the same. It would be like, you know, making making a relative's, like, uh, apple pie recipe. You yeah. make it and you make it and you make it. And you're like, shit, this doesn't taste nearly as good as grandma or my aunt made. It just It's never going to because you don't have the same ingredients. What was so, the difference? What was the difference in the in the the wooden barrels they were using? What were they? It was you said it was a different kind of wood, right? So, well, so it it would have been the same, been from the same region. It just would have been like you know today, you know you're looking at uh, trees that um, are might be third or fourth growth uh, in a particular right, region. Right. Whereas whereas there could have been some first growth and most definitely second growth uh, oak trees. And they're they were all coming from the same areas that they are now. They just they just would have been you know today they're averaging seventy year old, eighty year old trees. Back right. then it could have been ninety. Hell, they might have had a hundred and ten year old tree in there. It's pretty rare they would have, but but most of them would have been just a ten years older or so. But they're harvesting younger uh, today just to meet the demand. Uh, right. But um, and there's you know that has caused concern. Uh, with with folks who you know follow the forestry industry but the bourbon industry is very proactive they plant trees uh they're always out there trying to raise awareness and and one of the big one of the key differences in the southeast especially versus california is that the fam the forests here are like they are tightly tightly managed like they will yeah. do controlled burns they will right. do uh, herbicide coverings. So to make sure they don't catch fire from all the dry brush and all this. Exactly. Sort of stuff. And yeah. California just doesn't get enough, you know, rain to combat it, and yeah. and there's just the the they just haven't been able to get the right formula for the uh, for managing them. Yeah. Boy, try the beam right here. Beam this of a, light. Very smooth, not spicy at all. No, this would be, this would just be easy sipping. I would say, yeah, yeah, easy sipping. Yeah, I mean, it's very smooth. And it, um, you know, if it's got a, if it's got a, a dominant characteristic, it'd be vanilla for me. Yeah, um, yeah. Who who's the who's the most interesting person that you have smoked with that you they just kind of caught you off guard you're like didn't see this coming you know like this this person's cool you know i always say bruce willis it's bruce willis i was in a club um right above the troubadour there was a hip-hop club there 
uh, here in Los Angeles. And a lot of the who's who in hip hop and entertainment would come there because it was sort of an exclusive hip hop club, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It had a, a dance floor on the bottom and balcony on top with the bar on top. There was two bars downstairs and upstairs. Most of the celebrities and athletes and whoever was coming to that club uh, would be up on the top. You know, they would not be on the dance floor. They would be up on the balcony. And it's not a big club. But uh, I was up there one night with a few of my boys. We were hanging out. And whatever club we went to, we were smoking like it was normal. This, And this was way before legalization. This was way before um, um, the, the, the two, 215 came into play down here. Mm-hmm. Um, we were just smoking it, smoking anywhere like we owned the fucking place. We just did not care. So that's that was our protocol anywhere we went. And so we were smoking like we normally were in this club. And Mark Wahlberg comes over to me. And I knew Mark from when he was doing music. Um, and he was, you know, one of our boys. And he was like, yo, B, what's happening? Blah, blah, blah. You know, I'm like, hey. He goes, hey, can my friend, you know, hit you know, hit that weed with you? I'm like, hell yeah. I didn't know who he was talking about, you know. he. Just, I thought it was maybe just one of his boys mm-hmm. that, you know, one of his, his, his old school homies. I don't know. You know, he, he was there with a few people. Um, and then I look. And he's there with George Clooney and two or three other guys and Bruce Willis. And Bruce Willis is the guy that wants wants to hit it. And I was like, oh, shit, Bruce Willis. I passed it to him. And uh, he took a few pulls, big ones. Like, that guy's a stoner, man. Let, let the fucking smooth face fool you. John McClane. He's fucking smoking like he's insane. And look, so on the top where we were at in the balcony, the 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 – you know the um the the ceiling is not is it it's very close you could touch it mm-hmm. right and where he was smoking there was a light beaming down on him and so you could see that he was smoking and he could he felt the light on top of his head and he knew that he was sort of on blast in front of everybody he reaches up he unscrews the bulb it goes dark he starts pulling and all you see is the cherry of the joint just it's <laughs> crazy wow that, I, yeah, that was a cool, that was a cool experience. I love that story. I also heard that you were a big fan of the rainbow out there. Like you, I, I you just kind of like hang out and just that's like your place. That that was our place. Um, we were like the hip hop heads that brought the hip hop culture to the rainbow because previously, you know, it all metal, punk rock. You know, um, that all the legendary rockers and punk rockers um that was their destination and it was a different scene um but i befriended the owner there rest in peace um yeah uh and he allowed myself and and my squad and and a lot of our friends to pretty much take over that front patio and uh make it like little amsterdam mario maglieri man he was a, a a great man um, a mentor, if you will. And uh, yeah, right there on the Sunset set Strip, he allowed us to be right there in that that uh, that patio and, and smoking like we were in fucking Holland or something, just openly. And so that became my, my base for about eight to ten years. If you wanted to find me, 
I was there every night with my squad. We were holding it down. And uh, it, it was fun times, man. I mean, I love that place. Um, I go there when I can. I don't <laughs> frequent it as, as I did um, in that time that we held court there. But, uh, yeah, that's, that, that place is uh, special in my heart. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah. yeah. That's awesome. You know, I think we all have those kinds of stories, you know, as your career goes and you find who you are and what you are, you know, what you're becoming. You know, you always have those particular moments or places that just just kind of help, you know, they, they mean more than just the physical location. They helped you on, on the right. journey and Rainbow's certainly there for you. Is there... Is there, an, is there another venue that is like uh, that you feel was key to Cypress Hills growth? Uh, was there a venue to key? Yeah, yeah, there I think there was there's a couple. There's uh the Whiskey a Go-Go. Um cuz that's where we did our first real LA show as a as a, you know, with a new album out, new group, all that, we felt like we had to touch that stage. And when the hype got out about us and, and people started making noise, we finally got to that show and, and we, uh, we hit that stage. We felt we had to hit that stage and we had to do well there because we knew that legends were born on that stage. That's, that's one. And then in New York, um, Roseland's ballroom, that was like our home away from home till, you know, they sold it. We were doing our, our uh, Cypress Hill Halloween shows there for about, let's say, 18 years. Um, uh, you know, so that place meant a lot to us, you know, because we built that that brand, the Cypress Hill Haunted Halloween or whatever. Uh, that, that that was our, our traditional New York show that we did annually on Halloween and you know, when we started it, we started it as at Roselands and we did it there as long as we could until Alice Cooper swooped in and stole the date from us. Uh. And then the very next year, um, I believe they sold it or maybe a year or two later, they sold it um, and it was no longer a venue. So we had to move to a different location. But yeah, um, the Whiskey A Go-Go and Roseland Ballroom wow. and 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 the Chicago House of Blues. Oh, yeah. That's that place is epic. I saw Buddy Guy play there. That was awesome. Yeah, great place to play. So now we're gonna go to two ninety one Colorado whiskey. I got the rye. I think I sent you the rye, but yeah. it might it might say bourbon on there, but I think it's the rye. And and what this one right here is going to this is going to make you think in terms of of as you're tasting is like. I don't think I've ever tasted anything like this. And I'm curious if there is, once this hits your palate, if there is a weed that just jumps out to you because this is such a unique flavor profile. Aspen Aspen staves are used in this, and Aspen is imparting like a really, really unique uh, smoky flavor profile that to me is just, it just it's unlike anything uh, in whiskey. Give it a swirl, then a whirl. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, that 
It's very unique. Almost exotic. Oh, yeah. Definitely exotic. Ooh, yeah. Mm. Wow. That tastes very nice. Trying to figure out what flavor would go good with this, but... It's so crazy, right? It's like... uh, Yeah, it goes... Yeah. It takes you to a couple different places. Yeah. (laughs) In terms of the flavor. Yeah. Hmm. That's really good. It's different. Hmm. I don't know if if you can if you can find that flavor in anything but an aspen, and it's not like to describe it as smoke. I think is a uh, is is not accurate. It's a it's yeah. a it's a pungent smoke. It's a it's a it, it, it's it's like burnt rice, but in a good way. It's just it's crazy. Yeah, it, it, it's 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 not this. It's not the smoke smoky taste that you would expect. Yeah, right. Um, it it is very different. Um, yeah, I think I think you hit it on the head with like the burnt rice analogy. But it, that's that's not to say it's bad. I think it's yeah. I, what I'm saying is is the way that the the smoke flavor comes off is yeah. Oh, there's there's many a risotto dishes that you know that got like the al dente kind of style and and that stuff's burnt. You know, it's like yeah. to, on purpose, so it's got that yeah, kind of going for it. But like in cook. terms of like pairing, um, I mean, this is your world. What what? I'd go with an OG with this right here. Okay. Just a straight up good OG Kush. Not ocean grown because that's not real. Original Kush, OG. Um, that would go good with this flavor right here. Because it's, you know, they're, the flavor on this is, 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 um, it's overwhelming, but in a good way, right? Yeah. And, I think OG would complement this right here because that the OG flavor is so sweet, and it's not. A, how can I say it? it's sweet and a little bit tart? I think at the same time, but it's robust, and this is very robust like that. Nice. I think they would go great together. Yeah, that's uh, you're like you're man after my own heart with your with your tasting descriptions here of the pairings. I love it. Absolutely love it. <laughs> You gotta, you know, if this, uh, you you got a, you got a whole nother, you know, world coming together here. Um, you know, I'm, I can't. It's gonna happen in the video game. I just know it. Like you're gonna start doing all the pairings and everything. Oh yes, man, that shit is gonna be cool. <laughs> so is you know the the state of hip hop. Um, you know, you've always been very. I mean, you're a G. You're an OG, and you're you're someone who is like you're very defensive when someone you know, mocks or doesn't respect it. Um, and, you know, Steve Harvey's recently, you 
called him out. You know, that's one of the best examples of it. And I just want to get your your feeling of like what what do you think the state of hip hop is now? And are there any artists that you think are really, you know, bringing it like you know like they should? Yeah, there's plenty of artists bringing it like they should, um, like Kendrick Lamar, J Cole, guys like that. They're fucking killing it. Um, and there's there's other guys that that are smashing too. Um, they don't get enough credit because you know with hip hop, unfortunately, you know they always want to point fingers at the the negative aspects of hip hop because there are, as in any music mm-hmm. uh, form or genre. There's the yin and yang. There's the positive and negative. So you have music that is inspirational, uplifts people, educates people, and then the mindless shit that just sort of <laughs> makes you do stupid shit. Yeah. And this is this is the reality of it, right? And it goes in cycles for a time. This will be the shit everybody's focused on and listening to. Traditionally, there's a cycle, right? Mm-hmm. Um and then it flips and it goes into something more party, you know, less consciousness um, sort of vibe. And then it'll flip to, you know, total pop, you know, nothing controversial, you know, all marketable, all catchy and shit. And then it might flip, boom, and go dark. And then it's, you know, gritty, grungy, grimy shit that people fuck with so it's always it it, traditionally it was a cycle but now you have so much out there there is no cycle it's just what you like and what you go for and uh unfortunately what people are driven to mostly you know initially um is what radio feeds you for nothing Mm -hmm. you know because we all get terrestrial terrestrial radio for free um it's in every car you you know it's so if you're driving, boom, you turn on the radio, it's fucking right there. And they'll force feed you the bullshit that is mindless, that means nothing, let, non-controversial. But um, as of late, they flipped it. Now there's plenty of controversial shit on the radio. Yeah. And they're force feeding, force feeding people this shit right here. And just a lot of it is, is not good. So some of it is fucking junk. There's a lot of good music out there, but some of it is fucking junk. And unfortunately, um, the radio programmers ain't got that game right. I think there's a disconnect. And that's why a lot of people go to a lot of young folks go to streaming services now and listen to their music because they don't want to hear what the fuck is on the radio. Like that. There is still people that listen to it, obviously millions, but. Um, there, there is, you know, the cycle is gone. Now as you go to what you like and, you know, the radio sort of markets and promotes this mindless shit over here. Some, most of the time, sometimes some good quality music will get through with some substance, but not all the time. And now, you know, you're, you're left to sort of, uh, vet the music for yourself, go to the streaming services and, look and see what you like and go there. So I think there's options for everybody. It just depends on what you like. The state of it is always what it is. You know, um, the media always wants to portray the negative shit. They don't ever want to show you the positivity that comes within hip hop or rap music. They're always showing you the negative narrative. And that's just what we live with in within this genre. So, you know, it is what it is, but we keep putting, 
no matter what they what kind of narrative they try to throw on on this genre you know yeah, I think the, the the genres, you know, crossed over quite a bit too. I mean, there's yeah. uh, you occasionally see some collaborations in the in the hip hop world, uh, with even uh, country music or or metal, and and uh, I I definitely feel like uh, hip hop is far more acceptable than when my my principal smashed your uh-huh. tape. Oh yeah, uh, with absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he probably got that tape on his own now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, actually, he he's, he he's probably uh, he, he's probably listening to uh, some kind of talk radio um, that would give me heart palpitations. So, yeah, same here. Yeah, I know. So, I, I feel you. <laughs> so now we go to uh, Barrel Seagrass, and this is this is the the whiskey I was so excited to send you. It's a rye whiskey finished in Martinique rum, Madeira, and apricot brandy barrels. Um, and when I when I tasted this, it had so many fruity, so many herbly, so many spicy notes. And when when I send my guests whiskey, I try to pair, I try to get things that kind of like um, are part of the conversation and connect to a career and everything. And this has, you know, with your cannabis background, this had so many of those kind of like trigger tasting notes. In there that I thought for sure you taste this, and you probably got like thirty different uh, uh, products that you're pairing with. That's nice. That's got a nice little kick. Wow. It's clocking in at um, about 118 proof. Yeah. Yeah, that's 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 got kick. But it's 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 not harsh. It's got a good flavor too. Nice little spicy flavor, not too much. Mm-hmm. Just enough. I'd hit this with some wedding cake. Yes. The wedding cake would be good with this one right here, Mike. Mm. Gotta, gotta give that a go. Yeah, it's um it's definitely a um it's definitely fruity, spicy, you know, a lot of a lot of uh unique flavors in this that we didn't get before, but as mm. I as we taste through this and we've tasted five, so you know, I know um this is this is what I do for a living, but most people don't sit down and drink five whiskeys in a in a span of an hour, but you're uh you are you're doing it like you're a pro. I ain't going to lie. You know, you you're doing great. <laughs> you know, um, I do hit, you know, whiskeys and, and, and scotch, you know, the Floyd, we fuck with that over here and, and, uh, a few, a few others. Um, but this bourbon right here that you sent is, uh, magnificent. This one, I mean, it, it's like a spark. 
of flavor, right? Like right when it hits your palate. Yeah, it, it's definitely, definitely just all up on there for sure. So we have we have a um, um, an artist who's really came onto the scene of late from from our town, Louisville, Kentucky, um, and he's really he's been doing really great. And I was just you know Jack Harlow. Have you checked yeah. out his stuff? Oh man, I love Jack Harlow shit. You know, I was talking about him maybe about a year and a half, two years ago, because um, somebody asked me, and because they frequently ask me at like you did earlier like you know who are some of the young cats that you're listening to and shit like that and uh i always tell them like jack harlow he's 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 got bars got a dope style um he's got a voice that cuts through and like there's just something about his delivery uh, you know so yeah i definitely fucks with jack man i gotta have him on on, on my podcast or my smoke box. Oh man, he'd be great. And we're we're so proud of him here, you know, in Louisville. Uh, you he know, he's, be, he's he's dope. Because much Sorry. much like much like you represented, you know, your area. Like, I mean, he he talks about Louisville everywhere he goes, and he wears his his Louisville jacket. And it's like right. most celebrities from here don't do that. It's just really. It just hits you right there in the fields, and I'm not originally from here, but it's just, you know, when you when you have a connection to a place, you love to see someone bring it with them when they when they make it. You know, he represents, and and you know, people feel that, you know, people people are connected to that, especially from from that place where he's from. You know that that he's still, you know, sort of uh, showing where his roots are. You know what I mean? And that's everything. You know, because a lot of people might. Um, start off in one place and then they go off somewhere else as they're expanding yeah. and evolving and growing and you might forget about that but people appreciate when you remember um, where you come from and your roots and all that stuff and you know right now he's doing that and he's killing verses every <laughs> every song he's getting on he's fucking doing what he's supposed to do man so um, yes he's representing yeah, he's doing he's doing great and you know we're proud of him but uh, and he's uh, you know he's in Bourbon country so you'll have to tell him when you when you all see each other next like uh, what your favorite was today what what so what is your favorite of 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 what we tasted here all five of them they were all pretty goddamn good I gotta say um the Jim beam sour or yeah right Jim beam bourbon right here that was the smoothest um that was like really smooth but what i liked a lot i think was uh the the barrel okay so barrel barrel seagrass barrel, yeah it, barrel seagrass it, yeah and really it should be pronounced barrel by the way but they you know they added an extra l for uh for trademark purposes and call right it on. barrel but uh barrel, yes but, yeah uh, the barrel Right on. So that's your favorite for the for the tasting. It's it's pretty good. Yeah, I like that one. But I got to tell you this last one, um, the bar the Bards Bardstown. Bar- yeah, Bardstown. Yeah, Bardstown uh, Bourbon Company. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it was between those two. I mean, I liked the the first two. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you know, no, I think I think two, the one with the Aspen, right? 
the real smoky yeah. one. So that would yeah. have been that would have been the one before Barrel. Okay, yeah, that's Bardstown, right? No, that was two ninety one. Ninety one, yeah. Two ninety one, yeah, the big one. So it was between two ninety one and Barrel for you, right? Yeah, yeah, that one. And those have those have a lot of those herbal notes in there, uh, so I can totally see it. I can totally see that. I'm an herbalist. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you are. Yes, you are, my friend. Well, man, you know, tell us what else, you know, music-wise or, you know, anywhere else, uh, anything else you got cooking that you can, you know, talk about now. You know, what else is, uh, what's new and, and coming out? Well, I just dropped an album in August called uh, Tell You Something, pr- produced by Scott Storch. And uh, it's out there on all platforms now. I, I put out a video called Number Nine with uh, my partner, Burner. Salute to my man. Um, and we got another video coming up soon. Um, so, you know, we got more music coming with Cypress. We we just dropped a new si- song with Cypress Hill called Open Your Mind. There's a video to that. Um, yeah, we're just keeping busy with the music, you know, from from Cypress and, um, you know, just other collaborations that I do. Burner and I are working on another album uh, with Scott Storch. So and, and I'm working on a album with Psycho Less mm-hmm. uh, of Beat Nuts. And that one's called Real Psycho. Um, so in terms of music, you know, I, my, my plate is like constantly full, you know, in terms of uh, studio work and whatnot. Um as it relates to this, um, you know, I, I do the Dr. Green Thumb podcast from Monday through Friday live on, on my YouTube and, and Twitch channels. So, um, you know, that's when I'm not on, on tour doing shows with Cypress, which we have a few coming up in, uh, I believe, December in Mexico and one here in L.A. And, uh, you know, so just keeping busy, man, keeping active. That's awesome. Well, it, it's so so great to have you on the show. Like I said, man, been a big fan since I was a kid, and you know, even uh, even through uh, principal uh, disciplinary action. So, cheers, <laughs> <laughs> cheers to you and Cypress Hill and everything that you all have been doing. Um, you know, keeping it real and pairing good good weed with good whiskey. I love it, right, man. Cheers, good drinking with you, my friend. Cheers, brother. Piggity clank. That was awesome. Really cool. And if you get a chance to go watch that on YouTube, you can see uh, Be Real, uh, you know, smoking while he's sipping. And I think, you know, there's a little uh, television uh, enjoyment there uh, to see. But uh, go check that. You can go to YouTube to watch the video. And uh, appreciate you all listening. If you If you are not listening to... Uh, his podcast. We've been advertising it here on the show for a couple of weeks, but you definitely got to go check him out. He's within the Podcast One network as well. Check out his, you know, the music he's got out now. Check out his video, or I'm sorry, his um, his uh, his new game. Um, you know, the Be Real Monster Buds. Got to check that out. But listen, Be Real is was a great interview for a lot of reasons. But anybody who can break down a whiskey. And I'm, this is very, I'm being very candid and honest with you. But when people can come on my show and break down a whiskey like he did, you're going to win me over every single time. And he did that, you know, because he's always, he, he's smoking and thinking about the flavors. And that's all it takes, folks. So if you're trying to train your palate 
all you have to do is every single time you are putting something on your palate, think about what you're tasting and you're eating. You know, don't just shove it in your mouth. Think as you chew is kind of a kind of a motto I've lived with for the last, you know, decade and a half. But that's going to do it for this week. If you haven't already, if you haven't already, make sure that you give us a review on uh, on whatever platform that you are listening to this podcast. It helps us with the algorithm overlords. It helps us in a big, big way. So I'd appreciate it if you would go give us a review. Make sure you hit me up on fredminnick.com or follow me on any of the social media. But that's going to do it for this week, folks. Be safe out there. Remember, no licking handrails, no licking trash cans. And vodka sucks unless it's being used for hand sanitizer. Cheers, everybody. You've been listening to The Fred Minnick Show, brought to you by 291 Colorado Whiskey, by Heaven Hill Brands, by Michter's, and by Marshall Headphones. Enter Minnick 15 to save 15% at checkout. For more information on Fred's books, podcasts, articles, and a whole lot more, just go to fredminnick.com. <laughs>